TikTokers. Let me tell you, I <laughs> the devil is busy today. I've been having so many technical difficulties of problems today. It's just been one thing after the next, but your brown sugar mama is here. I'm not playing around. What's going on? It is me, Quita, a.k.a. Belasian Quita, and welcome to another episode of the Curvy Melhead Show, where, of course, I bring you alternative sounds, multicultural opinions, and, of course, amazing guests. Today's amazing guest, I'm not even kidding you, is no joke. Who I'm talking about is a man who is a true Renaissance man, and I am talking about Michael Pang. He has this amazing book that we're going to get into today. We're not even going to waste any time because he's here right now. And hello, Michael. How are you doing? Hi, Keith. I'm doing fine. How are you? I am doing great. I am like I sat down yesterday and, and the last couple of days and I've been reading through In the Eyes of Madness and I have just been truly impressed. And, and I just want to say, you know, from one person to, you know, to another, from one creative person to another, I, I really appreciate what you do um, because there's not a lot of stories like this. Like what compelled you to say, you know what, this is the direction that I want to go, and this is what I want to do? Well, um, there's a lot of uh, books within this genre, this young adult paranormal genre out there, but it's so saturated with paranormal romance where some, you know, unknowing teenage girl falls in love with some you know, dark creature that's supposedly the predator of the night. And for some reason she changes him and they fall in love. And, you know, it's so saturated with that kind of novel. Um, I wanted to create something that was different that brought it back to the classics where the monsters stay monsters. And then, you know, the good guys, they have evilness inside of them too, that they are constantly battling on a daily basis that, um, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, it's about a teenager trying to find out who he is and recognizing that all the bad things that might have happened to him in the past made him who he was today and to love himself for who he, for who he is today. And, you know, that's kind of the direction I wanted to take with it. And the whole idea of it, it just it came to me in a dream one night, and it, it was more like a nightmare, actually. Um, my wife and I had just had our firstborn at the time, and she was four months old. And, um, you know, my friends tell me that, hey, when you lack a lot of sleep, apparently you hit that REM cycle very quickly and you have the strangest dreams. And, and that was true. Um, I, I dreamt, dreamt that I was in this insane asylum and I was just walking through it and all these strange things were happening. People were levitating and um, things were moving around by itself. And I was like, wow, I mean, are these people really crazy or is there something a little bit more going on? And um <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked into a room where there is this orderly that was working there, and he was just a young teenager, and he was saying something to this patient there, and all of a sudden her face just changes and pounces on him, and all I could hear was him screaming, Mom, stop, Mom, and I woke up because I was just so terrified from the dream, but at the same time, you know, my curiosity was just overwhelming, and I was like, let me try to force myself to go back to sleep so I can continue to dream and see what happens, and Unfortunately, it, it didn't continue. So the next morning, I told my wife about the story, you know, the dream, and 
she's like, well, if you really want to find out what happens afterwards, why don't you just make up an ending? And that, that's kind of where it all started. You know, I, uh, it was just from that strange dream that, you know, I started developing the backstories for all the different things I saw within the dream. And then, well, where is it going to go? And then what was that? I think that was just some of my echo <laughs> from me. You can continue. Uh, oh, no, no I, uh, actually, that, that was, yeah, that was kind of the story behind the story. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think it's so it's it's so brilliant because like th- this is just from my experience with you know with literature and, and from what I've read is that it's just so refreshing to you know see a person of color go into sci-fi I mean there are tons of authors you know I remember for me what exposed me was like um Octavia Butler you know and Kindred and I just think it's kind of, of nice. Like, have you had any of those type of issues where people, you know, kind of look at you and, you know, be like, well, hey, you're, you know, an Asian guy, you know, you should be <laughs> writing about this because that does happen. I mean, you're you're starting yeah. uh, a different genre, you know, and, and I think it's it's has has that have has that happened to you that's the main thing i was very curious about that when i started reading that is i'm like wow he must have gotten or he's probably you know had to go through a lot of changes uh to do this well fortunately that that hasn't quite happened to me as a writer but i mean throughout my life i think whenever i meet somebody the first question is like do you own a restaurant <laughs> that's just really strange you know I get that question a lot and I'm just like no I I don't own a restaurant you know um and then the next question will be like well are you an engineer or an accountant and I'm like okay um yes I'm an engineer but it's just it's it's so easy to get typecasted right wherever you are and you know as a writer I feel like especially as an Asian writer yeah I can see how people can be typecasted into you know writing novels just about the struggles of um you know living in America as you know as a minority and things like that and you know there's a little bit of that within the novel but I try to steer you know further away from that and really just focus on a teenager's journey to figure out who he is and what his relationship with his mom should be after such a traumatic incident with with her and also um, with him just facing down um, all the things that are baggages in his life that keep him from loving the person that he wants to love and having the relationships that he wants to have. Yeah, because that's just so amazing for me. I mean, we this is the thing that's kind of that that's really been you know an irritation you know in a way is you know we have all this media that's very diverse and and the things that you're doing, but then we have shows like and I mean I I really I was curious to get your opinion on this. Like, what do you think about you know the show Fresh Off the Boat? Because I mean, you grew up in Hong Kong. <laughs> Your family, you know, immigrated to San Francisco, you know, when you were three. Like, how yeah. like how do you feel about those type of shows? Because you don't have that type of experience that I would see on that show or, or for any of, like, anybody that I've interviewed that has immigrated from a country. They're like, yeah, I hate it when I go on TV and, you know, or I watch TV and then people think, like, this is my life. Actually... Um, my experiences as a child is very similar to that show. As a matter of fact, because I live in Florida, 
Um, I was born in Hong Kong, and we moved to California when I was around three or four years old. And after being there for about a year, my parents decided, you know what? Our kids would never learn English here. So they, they kind of thought, well, where can we go where, you know, there's just <laughs> enough Asian people to help them keep their heritage and culture, but not enough for them to really use as a clutch and really just immerse themselves in American culture. And we moved to Kissimmee, Florida at that time. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I went to school um, in Ventura Elementary, and there were just my brother and I and one other Asian kid there the entire time. And, you know – during that era, I mean, it was right now, I mean, everybody would be shocked, you know, just to hear a racial remark at school, right? But during the 80s, that was not the case. I mean, that was very common. I mean, every day, you know, people would, you know, say something about being yellow or pulling their eyes into a line. And, you know, that was just kind of the way it was back then. And, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it's definitely a struggle. But, you know, I, I you know, I, you know, things that don't kill you just makes you stronger. And I feel like, you know, I'm kind of glad I had those experiences because it really makes me who I am today. And I'm proud of that. You have so much guts for that because, like, that's something that even myself, like, um, that that's always been, you know, kind of a struggle. It's like, you know, how African do I need to be today? Um, in order to, you know, pre to present certain content. So I just think that's really interesting, you know, that your, you know, your parents were like, hey, let's, you know, go to Florida. Because, like, Florida is the last <laughs> place, you know, that, you know, I would think to um, to move and, and to really have. I mean, yeah, it is, Florida is a very <laughs> diverse place. But, like, yeah. you know, sometimes the race relations there can be a little bit challenging like how like with oh, the yeah. stuff that's you know with the stuff that's going on now um, but I'm very curious to know what direction you know do you want to go now with this book being out because I'm very excited for you because <laughs> it's time for this type of literature to be written because uh, I'm just so tired of you know yeah like you said that classic you know YA like paranormal uh romance like are there certain limitations to writing this type of literature because with YA people are very particular libraries you know elementary schools or high schools middle schools um, they're starting to put restrictions on what this particular genre is like have you decided to you know go a different route or is this something you want to continue to um, write in this particular style well, see, that, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to go into the romance. Sure, there's a little bit uh, of romance in there because, you know, the leads have this huge, you know, amount of emotions for each other. And they, they really, they love each other, but there are things that are keeping them apart. But I didn't want to dwell too much on that, especially because I feel like nowadays per, paranormal romance is, uh, especially YA paranormal romance, has just gotten so much into the sex. You know, it's 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 just there's so much sexual tension in there. And I, I feel like that was done on purpose because most of the readers of um, uh, YA paranormal genre are teenagers. And that's kind of what they're really infatuated with at the time. And, you know, all the hormones are just making them want to read more about stuff like this. And, and that's why I wanted to pull away from that and just really refocus their attention. It's like, hey, you know, you're at a time in your life where you really need to figure out who you are. You know, because people are always just, you know, regardless of what age you are, you're 
you're going to be insecure about something in your life, whether it's the way you look or, you know, something, some event that has happened in the past. And what I wanted to refocus their attention on isn't all the sexual tension that they're already experiencing at school, experiencing in life. Um, I want them to refocus on themselves and just really develop, you know, self-awareness and develop, you know, a self um, image that is strong that, you know, really defines who they're going to be as an adult. Right. And and I really think it is, you know, it is time for that. Like, have you had people? Because, you know, there are so many books where I see it on the, you know, the, the, I would say the ban list and stuff like that. Like since the release, have you had some people, you know, come up to you or people be like, you know what, we do not want this book like at our institution or like <laughs> things like that? Um, I mean, I, I, I've had only one comment and it was that, oh, it's, it's too Christian centered. And it, it, it makes the premise that Christianity is the truth. And um, in my mind, you know, because I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm like, yes, that's great. I'm glad someone noticed it. <laughs> but at the same, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the only thing I've gotten. But at the same time, Ian, I can't, I can't be mad at it, and I can't be um, judgmental upon that, just because, I mean, when Harry Potter came out, there was a lot of uh, churches and schools that banned it and called it witchcraft, um, you know, and things like that. So, I mean, people are entitled to their opinions on things, and. So far, I mean, I haven't had an institution say, hey, we're going to ban it because of the subject matter. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really see it happening because there's really I, – I really plan on not having any sex scenes within the book series at all. That is really refreshing. I mean, from one Christian to another as well, I just appreciate that. It's just – I mean, Christian literature for me has gotten really boring. It's like, you know, it's one thing, yeah. okay, we're not Amish, you know. I think the biggest yeah. problem with Christian literature is that the Christians are, you know, they, they, they want to make it the focus of their book is to teach the reader something. Right. And that's fine. And I think every book, sh you know, if a reader is walking away from reading a book and they haven't learned anything or they're not really, you know, walking away with anything from your book, then, you know, it was probably not a very good book and it wasn't very successful. But at the same time, you have to make the story likable first. If it's a likable story, then people will automatically, you know, uh, be able to extract out what are the morals of the story and what they want to learn from and what they can take away with it with them. But if you start off by writing the book as a teaching, you know, instead of a story, um, and I think that's where a lot of Christian literature has gone wrong, um, that's when people say, oh, man, this is just very preachy or this is just a very, you know, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, because I feel like that's that's where, you know, <laughs> growing up, too, you know, people thought that, even myself, like, oh, you're Christian, so you're one-sided, and you have no diverse opinion. And, you know, they would look at certain literature and look at certain authors, and I said, well, you can't just lump, you know, all of us together. There are many dimensions. It's like politics, you know. Um, right. People have different opinions. People have different experiences. Um, I also want to let you know, too, your wife and your children are gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> they are so, she is so beautiful. Like, I was jealous. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, if I woke up like that every morning, 
I would be so <laughs> stress-free. No. But what does she think about your work and everything? I'm very curious to know that as well. Um, My wife? She, yes, she was actually one of my biggest supporters. I mean, throughout the four years I was writing it. I mean, there were times where, you know, <laughs> my wife is um, – She's kind of a grammar snob, I gotta say. So when I, I have a draft, I would I would give it to her like, hey, can you read this for me? And you know, about halfway through the draft, she'd just grunt and sigh, and she'd just be like, ah, oh, it's driving me crazy. And you know, despite all of that, you know, she's like, all right, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark this up for you. I want you to rewrite this and do this and do that. So she's been really really supportive of me in the entire way and. You know, it's it really helped me finish the book because I feel like there were so many times where I felt really discouraged just because, you know, time constraints, you know, especially having young children. I mean, where when do you find the time to write, right? And yes. <laughs> I never thought, you know, there were times where I was like, man, I'm never going to finish this. Or if I do finish it, man, it's just going to be, you know, peop- somebody's going to read it and be like, wow, this guy, you know, can't even write English. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, uh, she's been really supportive. My brother's been really, really supportive, and you know he helped me proofread um, my draft a couple of times. And yeah, I, I just had a very good support system within the family, which was great. Yeah, I, if someone said that, I would, I would stand up for you. I'd be like, okay, look, he's my Asian brother as well. We're all related <laughs> here, so clearly, yeah. Like I hate, like I just hate ignorant, like just ignorance of hate comments. Um, on social media, you know, like, how do you deal with that? Because, like, that's something where, for me, you know, I'm used to it, but there's sometimes where I'm just like, you know, I really want to destroy you because you have no idea what I do. Like, how has that been like for you, you know, um, with yeah, dealing with I mean, people who are I guess that growing up, growing up in, in the 80s in Florida, I mean, it was it was definitely not easy. I mean, um, and I think I held held a lot of resentment um, growing up as a teenager uh, because of the whole situation. And um, it wasn't until I was in college when I found Christ where, you know, I, I felt like all of that resentment finally melted away. And, you know, someone said something to me that really just struck me was that, you know what, it is God's it, it is God's position to judge, but it is our position to love. So, you know, regardless of what, you know, what kind of hate message you see out there, you know, especially on social media, it's so easy to just comment on social media, on Twitter, on on Facebook. And, you know, I try my best not to jump into that because, you know what, regardless of how ignorant someone sounds, they are the children of God. You know, God creates them just the same as he created you, and he loves them the same amount as he created you, as, as he loves you. And he is just as much of God's masterpiece as you are. So he might have taken, you know, a few wrong turns or he or or he or she might have, you know, certain mindset that might need to be changed. But I think it only hurts the cause when I feel like when I see a lot of Christians come out and just spew more hate, you know, adding on to the fire. um, Then I think if a Christian came out that, you know what, we have a different mindset, but you know what, I'm going to love you anyway, and I'm going to you know, I'm going to treat you exactly the same way as I would treat my brother because you and I are the same. We are human beings. We are created by God. And, you know, I hope that one day you'll change your mind, but it's not going to change the way I feel about you. 
that, you know, I really wish <laughs> that that more people, you know, thought um, the way that we do. And I know there are many out there, but I'm curious to know, like, what are you going to be doing now, you know, now that the book's been released, like any future projects and just letting people know how to get in touch with you, because I'm certainly keeping in touch with you. We're we're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear. Um, well, uh, this is a book series, so I'm actually really busy working on book two and promoting, you know, the first book, of course, which is, I feel like, the never-ending journey of uh, a writer. You think, oh, I completed my book, I'm done. No, you, that's like a quarter of the job. <laughs> I mean, 75% of it is really just getting it out there, letting people know that it's even out there, and, you know, giving the, giving them a chance to even read it, because, you know, if you're not promoting it, no one will even hear about it. And it's just going to go somewhere, you know, and just never see the light of day. Um, and, yeah, and just really, really being busy just writing book two. And, you know, there's some really exciting things going on in book two that I'm really excited about that I'm always just, like, covering my mouth because, you know, when people ask me about it, I, I just want to tell them, oh, this and this is going to happen. And, you know, I, I don't want to do that because there's just so many spoilers and, yeah. So that's really what's going on. Oh, and uh, to reach me, uh, uh, yep. So you can go to my website, which is uh, in the eyes of madness.com, which is basically the, the book title and then .com. Uh, and in there, there's a contact me page that you can uh, uh, send me emails there and uh, and so forth. Man, I am just I feel so blessed having you on today because like like I mentioned earlier, I just respect I always respect people who are, you know, renaissance folks. I'm you know, I'm so sick of people just being one-sided and, you know, being like, "Okay, well, if I watch this show and this person does this behavior or or does this, then, you know, this is my this is my statute of limitations." Um but you have proven you know, and all of your, you know, wonderful fans have proven, you know, that this book is the progress of change and the diversity that is in this book. I will probably read it again because I enjoyed it that much. Um, like, I love it. It keeps you on your seat. It keeps me, you know, just excited that literature is just having this, this kind of similar to like the Harlem Renaissance that people are giving opinions and they're not afraid to give those opinions. So I, when that second book comes out, Michael, I'm having you back on and, and I love what you do and I will always respect people who are writers because it's not an easy process. It's not. No, definitely not. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And tell your wife and kids I said, hi, because, I just okay. I I always enjoy seeing uh you know a family that that stays together they work together and and that support and love that I see it it oh it is always melts my heart so I, I'm very grateful I was able to talk to you today. Thank you so much. It, the pleasure was all mine. Absolutely, and you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Have a great Fourth of July. See ya. I will Bye. take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And that was Michael Pang with his book, which is fantastic. It's In the Eyes of Madness. I will have all of the links in my show notes so you can learn more about him. And he's taking literature to a whole new level. This is why I always say, and I always, maybe sometimes I feel like I'm a preacher on this show, (laughs) 
Um, but you know, coming where I come from, you know, I'm part, I, I am a product from immigrants as well. And I think something that's really important to realize is that the immigrant experience is the American experience and that we all are here on this planet to find out, you know, what our purpose is, what our, you know, and by purpose, we have to have the right motives and the right behaviors and doing the right thing. And as you can see, Michael is a shiny example that you can make it even when sometimes the odds are against you. And just like he said, you know, whether you're religious or not, um, I truly believe that you have to have some type of motivation to keep going and keep persevering. And once again, I am sorry about the delays. I tell you, maybe I'm be a little sovereign today. The devil is busy, but this show shall go on regardless of technical difficulties. Let's briefly get into Riot Talk. And I got some sweet music for you today. Yes. Okay. Yes, God. I have some awesome music for you from a great band from Japan, Lola18, as well as later on, find out the band that contacted me and just their music just blew me away. So I will make sure to play some of that as well and find out later what people really feel about heavy metal, about the changes in heavy metal. And it's coming from someone that I never thought would really have an opinion on it. It's going to be really interesting today, but let's get into the music here on the Kirby Melhead Show. Well, after after music, then we'll get into Riot Talk. I just got to play this great stuff for you. Uh, but here at the Curvy Mailhead Show, one thing that's important to us is women who rock. So many of you have reached out. I'm talking not only the artists, but fans of women who rock and just always giving me praise and thanks for doing that. I will support women, period, because our struggle is not always easy. And this is not to say, you know, that men don't have struggles. Yes, they do. But I think that when it comes to women who rock, we're still this weird minority within a minority sometimes. So, Gotta give a special shout out to my people in Japan. This is a great indie band. They're called Lola Number 18. And this is Kikugara Gai Kidi Omo here on the Curvy Melhead Show.
But in case you don't know where to find me Check me out If you look for fashion in Blossom Magazine Don't be surprised if Google gives you BB If you look for curls, you're in the right place Yes, I got that too, but nothing beats the bag Thank you. 
I tell you, when women rock, they rock. And of course, that was Cusses with Sally and her tassels. And let me tell you, if you're looking for some good, good Southern rock hailing from Savannah, Georgia, and they're a trio, two guys, one girl combo, as they say. And if you want to find out more information about them, check them out at puregrainaudio.com. They are a badass band. They are so good. And that's just, you know, I love it when bands just go back to basics and they just serve you some classic rock and roll. And I tell you, nothing gets to my heart more than women who are balls busters and they really bring that rock and roll to you. So check them out on Pure Grain Audio and listen to their single, which you just heard here and it's great, Sally and her tassels. So let's get into some riot talk and back into some more music. But I have to say that I I just can't believe the direction that this show is going. I mean, I started this show probably not even a year ago. And the amount of growth, I mean, I've talked to people like Wes Cage, of course, everyone knows is Nicolas Cage's son, who is just a just a renaissance man. He's genius. Really nice guy. And then I went from that to, you know, talking to, you know, to people like PD, you know, representing, you know, the East Coast, you know, the indie artist struggle, you know. So I've I've talked to A-listers. I've talked to people who are just starting. And it always amazes me how bold some bands are in regards to how they get in contact with me, how they find out. And here's the funny thing, and you know me, I've always been honest, you know, this show, all like the advertising and things like that, I am not your traditional advertiser. Like you don't see my show everywhere, but if it is, let me know. <laughs> but I am very grass, you know, very grassroots when it comes to promotion. And, you know, I I am just amazed who finds out about this show who finds out about this music? I have also on on side note, speaking of that, I've been, I, I think I've lost maybe like five or 10 pounds and I'm just so proud of myself, you know, and I really want to I'm keep going. You know, I was slacking a little bit, got a little lazy, but you know how that goes sometimes. But I got to talk about this band. You can find them. An interesting story, too. You can find them on Twitter.com slash a Kelly Nation. So that's E K E N K E L I N A T I O N. And let me tell you, first off, they're a good looking band because sometimes in metal, there are some ugly people in metal where it's like, okay, you can take care of yourself. I mean, you can rock and roll and still look fine, okay? And beauty is in the eye of the holder, all right? I'm not saying that <laughs> you have to, you know, go get plastic surgery. Can you imagine that? All these metal heads being like, ew, I gotta get my face straightened out. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I think that'd be kind of absurd. You know, you gotta love your natural self and your natural youth. So this is what happened. So I'm just checking my email like I always do and just reading like from wonderful comments to, you know, bands submitting their stuff. And I'm going to get into it a little bit later, just a little tips, you know, for you indie folks out there who are just starting, you know, you want to get yourself out there. And this is, you know, the funny thing is 
Like I, I've seen it all. And, and I love sharing that. I know a lot of times people can be stuck up, you know, and they don't want to give advice and stuff. That's so stupid. You know, the only way that the indie community will continue to thrive and survive is by kind of balancing mainstream and indie culture. You need half and half here. If you really want to be successful, but you still yet want to coincide with maintaining your grassroots nature. So and, and Kelly Nation just reached out to me. They sent me this lovely email. They told me exactly what their sound was. They told me, you know, their experience. And you know what's really sad about this band is that they're not getting the shine that they deserve. So I said, you know what, the Curve Melhead Show, we're all about breakthrough artists. We're all about progressing and showing people who actually have talent. It's one thing to look cute and have a couple bars and, oh, you you know, you probably play a little bit of guitars, maybe 12-bar blues. Like, anybody can do that. This band takes it to a whole new level. They've got a great 80s, you can feel the 80s vibe, and the vocalist. Okay, she is a former opera singer. Her name is Alina um, Soralia, and she has the most beautiful voice I have ever heard in my life. She's, I won't lie, she's sexy, but she's that, like, natural sexy. Like, she's the type that, you know how some female rockers where you can really tell they, like, they really try, like, for example, like Maria Brink from In This Moment? Is she talented? Absolutely. But there are times where I'm just like, come on, girl, you're a natural beauty. Like, stop trying so hard. Just, like, relax, you know what I mean? And that's what she is. Alina, she's great. Please make sure, go to twitter.com slash, um, once again, it's N. Kelly Nation. Hopefully I'm saying it right. They're a great band, great four-piece, hailing from London. I'm just so impressed by the outreach that this show has gotten. And this is such a grassroots show, you know. Um, but I take my show very seriously and very professionally. But I always tell people the core of my show is always grassroots. I don't turn people away unless you don't take your stuff seriously. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But here are my friends, Kelly Nation with Tears of Lust. You're going to love this. Pro- trust me, you will. <laughs> Ignore the shadow that defines 
of the bachelorette just because it was caitlin's favorite band i okay this is my quick opinion as we transition on to the alternative beat down here all i have to say is this first off caitlin is not a big deal she's just like any other jersey shore looking woman out there she doesn't know what she wants She's super disrespectful. And when a guy was actually interested in her, like there was that one, um, I believe he was a black guy, and he like totally flipped a brisket because he really cared. And he kind of felt that like Caitlyn in a weird way led him on. And here's my thing about The Bachelorette and, and how I feel about like the relationships on the show and why some of them just don't last is because 
just when you're on TV, you're on TV, and when that fame fizzles and fades and you're just a bachelorette or bachelor alumni, you actually have to think about the cultivation of the actual relationship. Like, okay, the cameras are off now. Let's really get this unconditional deep love going on. Because here's the number one thing, and I'm talking to my ladies here, okay, um, from a heterosexual you know, point of view, and this also applies LGBTQI alphabets so shout out to that com- to my community you know out there and when I say my community even though I'm a straight woman um you know I can relate to a lot of gay people out there because like that multicultural struggle and just the struggle for acceptance is not easy at all so this can apply you know as well you have to really cultivate the relationship. A lot of times what some women do is they don't appreciate their partner, you know? They expect their partner to just, like, exist and just be this perfect gentleman and vice versa, you know? It just doesn't work that way. You have to show that, you know, your vulnerable side. You have to show your faults, and that takes time. Don't be the psycho girl, like what Pablo Francisco would say, like, you know, the psycho chick that just you know, flips out on everything, you know, maybe that's why some guys are jerks out here to us women is because they've been burned like that. This is exactly like what I would do in a relate, you know, if I was in a relationship, first off, I'm going to find out what that man's limitations are and what he accepts. And then what I do is I let him know where I stand from the get go. I don't wait till we're married. I don't wait until, you know, two years into the relationship and he's not being the man that I need him to be. You guys, you have to put those conditions out there. And this applies to, you know, my gays as well. Like, you know, many times I see that, you know, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of gay guys out there, you know, they have some of them, not all, have this high, ridiculous list of what they expect in a guy. And it's like, seriously, it's rare, okay? You're always going to meet someone that has some kind of fault that you don't like. But when you really love someone, as long as it's something that's not, you know, connected to domestic violence, never let someone punch you. Never let someone beat you. That is absolutely absurd. I have watched so many stories about how some women and men as well have allowed their partners to abuse them and women as well too, you know. No, don't do that. You are worth so much more. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. You know, don't be disrespectful to your partner because if they walk away, I don't blame them. All right. So breaking news, folks. I cannot believe this actually happened. Now, on my other gaming channel, or my other channel, which is my gaming channel, <laughs> that tells you how much sleep I got this week. Oh, God. Pretty much, Overwolf is a software that I use. It's free. It allows you to have Twitch integration. So you can stream your videos in high quality, and it looks beautiful. If they ever got rid of this app, I would be so pissed. It is such a great application. So today, around, like, you know, noon-ish, I receive an email, and apparently Overwolf 0.86.89 has been released. And here are some of the couple of changes that they made this time around. First, you're allowed to have skin sounds. So you can turn off the skin sounds, or you can control their volume. So you can go into the settings in Overwolf and check out the new sounds tab, which is awesome. Then they also fixed the um, the FPS um, drop fixes. So for some reason, there were FPS drops on Windows 7, and that's when Arial got disabled. So what's really cool is they ended up 
um, not have, you know, they fixed it and they ended up, you know, you're not going to have those SPF drops anymore. And now this other setting, they're not, you know, it's not official, official yet, but it's the AMD VCE encoding. So it's going to be both in the video recorder as well as the the Twitch streamer. So if you have a computer like mine that has the AMD graphics card, you're, I, I definitely feel personally, I'll test it out, but I definitely feel there will be a difference in how you record in the video quality. And then finally, the video recorder audio sync. So they ended up fixing this bug in Overwolf where um, your audio would be out of sync with your video, which really sucks. So when you would upload it to like YouTube example, like what I do and many gamers out there do, you kind of see like a couple seconds delay between the audio track and the video track, and that just really sucked. So they fixed that, so there's no more dealing with that. So thank you, Overwolf, for listening to the gamers, because sometimes these companies don't listen to us, and I, I just really, that Overwolf is really great. Uh, I really, really like it. I did try the AMD recorder, um, but that one was just not... It was really difficult to use, and it was just not there. So go to Overwolf, O-V-E-R, and then wolflikeTheAnimal.com, one word. Check it out. Download it. If you're a gamer, you want to do some game capture, it is very easy to set up. Even though some people have stated that, um, well, people that I know have stated that it's very difficult. But when you're a boss chick or a boss guy, you can get this set up. Okay, so let's move on. Now, this is coming from TheGuardian.com, and I thought this was really interesting. I had to share this with you, my awesome intellectual rockers and minions out there, that only half of young people's viewing is the traditional scheduled TV. So there was this research that was done by Ofcom, and for some reason, young people are shunning live TV and watching their favorite shows online. This is coming from TheGuardian.com. So this is what I thought was really interesting. Now, the broadcasting regulator said that half of the viewing amongst 16 to 24-year-olds um, is now through traditional um, scheduled TV. It's it's not the same. So what the young folks are doing now, because, you know, being prehistoric myself, it's hard to keep up with these young folks. You know how many facelifts I've tried to have? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All jokes aside, people in this age range, 16 to 24, they prefer to stream shows via online services like Netflix and Amazon or to use catch-up services like the BBC iPlayer and all four. But news programs have been disproportionately affected by the trend towards online viewing. So between 2008 and 2014, TV news viewing hours by young people aged 16 to 34 dropped by 29%. So on average, the young people are now watching 39 minutes of TV news each week. So here's the other trend too that I thought was interesting, and the article mentions it, is that non-traditional news or like alternative news outlets such as Vice Media is very popular. And I understand why, because the way that Vice does their, how they shoot and how they do their filmmaking is very avant-garde. It's very, you know, the suspense is killing you. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's not like with traditional broadcast news. And once again, it depends on the market because different markets are going to really display their journalistic ethics in different ways. 
is, you know, people are tired of seeing this, you know, Mary Jane looking lady with perfect hair and her tits are up to Puerto Rico. And she's just like, oh, hi, my name is Jessica. And this is the nightly news. People are tired of that. People really want to see what news in action. It's one thing to shoot B-roll. So for the people who are non-journalistic or non-communication majors or media people in general, um, B-roll is pretty much the footage that you shoot, and that's how you put together your package. So the package is the complete video with the audio and the – and also the stand-ins of the reporter talking. If that's a complete package, that's what you see usually on the news. But what's really funny now is that, and I noticed this too in my YouTube channel, which you can check out, youtube.com slash Quita, well, user slash Quita, is that more people tend to watch my show when I do a live Google Hangout because I was talking to my friend, um, shout out to my friend Steph, she's awesome, Um me and her were talking about this and she had mentioned a really interesting point about this, which relates to this article is that people love spontaneity. They want to see things happen live. They want to see, and the young people, I think that's what they like. They like being captivated. You cannot be captivated all the time with, you know, of news package. And often sometimes I feel the news does it really boring. That's why for me, I would, pray to be a part of vice media it would be so awesome because they get to go to these very exotic locations and the people are more comfortable talking to them because to be honest some broadcast journalists out there can be kind of intimidating when they have this perfectly coiffed hair or you know they have this very newsy type voice and when they talk like that, it's, you know, it's some people, especially maybe some foreign people may be like, eh, I don't want to talk to him or her, you know. Um, but with people like from Vice, they're very casual and they have a good time. And that's what people want to see. That's why I feel young people like to see. But, yeah, it's a really, really interesting um, article. And it ha- it's a huge multimedia conglomerate as well. If you have not had a chance, watch some of Vice's documentaries. It has really helped me to grow and expand. And this is something I'm very happy to report as well from HuffingtonPost.com. Black women-owned businesses skyrocket by 322% in less than 20 years. It's about time. African-American women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And this is from a new study. The 2015 State of Women-Owned Businesses report released that this released this week found the number of women-owned businesses grew by 74% between 1997 and 2015. That is 1.5 times the national average of businesses to be exact. So what I find kind of interesting is that black women own, and this is according to the study in the article, roughly own 14% of all businesses in the country owned by women. Okay, so I think it is really time for this, and pardon me for that, um, for this to happen, because there's so many articles, you know, so many psychological articles that have been put out there that, you know, black women are at the bottom, our mental capacity suck, nobody wants us, and it's so refreshing now to see that we took that negative, oppressive energy and said, you know what, we're going to crush the world of business. Now, here is something as a side angle that I wanted to kind of briefly talk about in regards to this article is that my only gripe with some 
African-American women who own businesses, they want to keep it strictly for black people only, not for the sense of, you know, bringing a new angle to the, you know, ideas of African and African-American heritage and how to present that to different audiences, because we have to be honest here. And I, I got a really horrible hate comment on this um, particular topic on my channel. And this is how I ended up kind of responding to it, is that our world is going through two types of changes. We have one part of our society here in America that's trying to really put fear in minorities and trying to revert us back into this kind of civil rights part two type of era. Then on the other side, there are women of color like myself who are like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and let people put fear in me. People tell me I'm stupid. People let, you know, saying that I'm not worth anybody's time, you know, like that type of stuff. I'm going to be progressive. I'm going to go out there, get a better education, and I am just going to crush this very hateful competition, and that's what's going on. So I think that's really refreshing to be able to see that. Let's move on to the world of technology. This is coming from VentureBeat.com. This is a really interesting article about Microsoft comparing their features because what people don't realize is that there are going to be seven different editions of Windows 10, which is really ridiculous. So four of the seven editions, such as the Windows 10 Home, Windows 10 Pro, Windows 10 Enterprise, and Windows 10 Education, according to Microsoft, all four of these will have core experiences. So every edition will have these. So they kind of article kind of goes through talks about like device encryption as one of them, you know, for the home edition, and then the pro edition is going to have more things like group policy management and an enterprise mode version of you know Internet Explorer. So if you get the educational edition, you get the whole works here. You get remote. Uh, desktop, you get direct access, you get Windows to go creator, app locker, branch uh, cache, and then you also get a start screen control with group policy. These are only available in the enterprise and education version. So I think it's really refreshing that Microsoft is finally starting to get why Apple did what they did. You know, you're not going to lose money. This is just me personally. With all those Mac heads out there and those, you know, Microsoft freaks too. And for me, I am very bipartisan because I see both the pros and cons in both operating systems. To me personally, this is a great stepping stone. You're not going to lose anything for providing things free for a year. There are these Windows and Mac heads out there, they don't care how much this company may sell, you know, certain products or certain, you know, devices that they really enjoy. And that's one thing, it's simple economics. If you supply that demand and you bring something that's a good, high-quality, wholesome product, the consumer will buy it. But if you make something crappy, you make an operating system, I'm sorry, Apple, I have to put you out there. Yosemite was horrible. Let's just hope and pray that El Capitan will do the job because there were so many Wi-Fi problems and multiple updates for Yosemite. And trust me, the Mac heads and myself did complain. So let's move on, of course, to the world of rock. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, it was not it was surprising to me. Well, I shouldn't say I should I was surprised but I am that Slash, okay, this is from blabbermouth.net has mentioned this. Even heavy metal bands are trying to be top 40. 
So Somali Vandernen of Radio Nova recently conducted an interview with Slash, and it's really a very interesting interview. So if you have a chance, please listen to it. So this is what him talking about the state of the record industry. I think that the music business itself sucks. It's turned into a very corporate materialistic. I mean, even the artists are trying to conform to the record industry now. It used to be the artist was for the artist, and there was a conflict of interest between the creative artist and the record company wanting to make a lot of money. And eventually, they sort of worked it out. But because then they used developed you know, artists, and now it's just like top 40. Everybody's trying to be top 40. Even heavy metal bands are trying to be top 40. It's not a big turn on like it was for me in the 60s, 70s, and 80s where it was exciting and there was a sense of rebellion and whatever. So I just do what I do, which is completely against the grain of what the industry is about. But as a whole, it'll get better eventually. It has its ups and downs. And then he kind of also goes on talking about the struggle for like new artists, such as like if you don't have top 40 success with your first single, forget about it. Your career is done. And you really do need a top 40 single to really make it. Now, you can expose yourself better using like YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's also the side tip I wanted to give to the artists out there. I'm sorry, but many of you don't have social media. You want me to listen to your music as a media professional. And if I really like it, guess what? I'm going to share it with my minions. I'm going to share it with my intellectual rockers. I'm going to share it with my awesome gays out there. Uh, my awesome LGBTQI community out there, you know, and I will share it with as many audiences as I can, but you are blocking yourself. And I'm talking more from an indie grassroots level, because I'll get into the commercial pretty soon here, is that you're blocking yourself by limiting your social media scope and all of that. Because I won't lie, PR is expensive as heck, and not everybody can afford national PR firms. They can be very expensive and ridiculous sometimes. So it's really important to use resources such as, God, give a shout out to the Indie Bible. The Indie Bible is essential to the indie artist or any artist that really wants to use grassroots to get themselves out there. And these companies are in that Indie Bible. They are very professional. They are very, you know, very keen. And, and it's a great resource. I have used the Indie Bible. It has made a huge difference in my career as a media professional and it has opened up a lot of doors in regards to people I talk to, the press releases that I get sent, things like that. So whether you're a media professional, you want to be, you know, a radio personality or, you know, just like with Slash, I kind of partially disagree with him with the top 40 thing. Here's my view on it. So do I agree that, yeah, do you need a top 40 single to make it? Yeah, I agree. But here's the problem sometimes in the rock and metal community is that although Slash is saying, you know, it was different back then, he's contributing to it as well. He is a part. He has top 40 hits, you know. And, you know, I'm not here sitting now criticizing him for that because, hey, to have a top 40 hit is not easy. And to have the longevity that Slash has had as a man of color who rocks, not easy at all. But I think in a way, kind of frustrating for these artists because in a way, it's like you have to sell out now. As much as Slash will say, oh, well, you don't have to sell out. Well, you're already established. So it's easy for you to say that, you know. 
Um, you're already established and people know who you are. But sometimes I think these artists forget, these mainstream rockers and metal artists forget how it was like when you first start. And a lot of times people don't know about the business. You know, they sign, you know, contracts that are really crappy. It doesn't work in favor for them. And yes, they become mainstream, you know, but it doesn't just because you become mainstream as well doesn't guarantee success. And that was the other thing I that was the main thing I disagreed with him is because look at bands like Unlocking the Truth. People know who they are. Sony signed them. Where is their album? Where is all the development? I'm not seeing it. You know, and there have been many artists that have been really screwed over. Another artist that I've always talked about is, well, two of them, Reese and Amir Lalu. Uh, Amir Lalu is amazing. Um, if you know Groove Theory, she sang the song Tell Me. Um, all of her art, her artists, her albums have been amazing. She just came out with another um, single that was great. It was called Afraid. Nobody knew about it. I heard it one time on Wisconsin radio, and that was it. And that really pisses me off because these are really talented artists who are signed mainstream-wise or, you know, independent-wise, but they're still getting mainstream press. And, you know, another person who's really sad to me is Selena Johnson. We all know her from the song, you know, I Am Your Woman. And then there are metal bands, too, like Skankanazi. When Skankanazi came here in the U.S. in the 90s and stuff, people put them in the R&B category in the record shop, you know, and she didn't sell out. But for the modern artists now, it's hard because there are bands who sell out for the sake of selling out, which pisses me off, cough, nickelback. Um, and then there are bands where that's the only means of survival for them to progress. But I think the main question um, that should have been answered in this interview is like, how far is too far when it comes when it comes to top forty? Like, do you really need top forty? to truly be successful to me personally, I don't think so. I think as long as you have a good PR platform, you really know how to promote your singles, you use social media. Cause look like another example of this was like, um, that nasty freestyle or I forgot his name, you know, but, or even little mama's sausage, for example, you know, she took all of the social media, you know, things that were buzzing and she put it into one music video in a way, which is really cool. And that helped to revitalize little mama's career, to be honest, you know, and Slash did the same thing. He has always found a way to reinvent himself as much as people too hate Madonna. Look at bitch. I'm Madonna. She got all the people that are relevant and even got bars from Nicki Minaj. So you have to know that's I think that's the key is that you really need to know how to reinvent yourself and how to present your package to the world. And when you do that, you don't need a record label. Look at Tech Nine, one of the highest selling independent rappers out there. And it's not, you know, because he's top forty, but hey, I could talk about that all day long. And just briefly here, the antagonist, the eyes of Providence is out now this is a 13 track album and it's around 60 minutes and it shows true vocals like Dante Macarber I mean songs like that it's great you know I think that she is absolutely amazing Vicky um Parsarkis hopefully I'm saying that right but she's a great vocalist and I'm so tired of all this beef that Vicky is getting, you know, because um, people are like, well, she's not like, you know, she's not like the former vocalist. And it's like, look, she's moved on. She's in Arch Enemy now. 
And I think people just need to get over it. I would love to see them live because I heard that they are absolutely amazing. I will check out the album and then I'll keep you guys posted about how it really is. And then I thought this was interesting from VH1. These are 10 more criminally overlooked hard rock and heavy metal albums. And this is one I thought it was interesting. 1983 Zebra, self-titled. And this band formed in New Orleans, but they didn't really get into full fruition until they relocated to Long Island during, you know, the dawn of the 80s. So, I mean, I I would say Zebra overall, it's it's such, it's one of those albums where you listen to it and it just boils your mind. You know, the falsetto of, you know, the whale of Randy Jackson, I mean... It's a great band. Everybody, you know, who's not familiar with Randy Jackson, yeah, everybody looks at him on American Idol, but he was really a rock star here, you know? And I think people don't really give him credit. And Zebra is, it's a great album. And, and I mean, that falsetto that he brings. And, I mean, you can also feel those type of... um, those type of influences as well, like there were bands like Twisted Sister, Blue Oyster Cult, Dream Theater, Leslie West, Vanilla Fudge, and all that. Um, but yeah, they were such a great band. I really wish they had, you know, really stuck around and stuck. But it's such a rare album. It peaked at number 29 and uh, on the charts. But yeah, it's it's a really good album. I'm not going to share all of them. Another one I think people don't give props to is 1979's Down to Earth by Rainbow. So I think... He's much respected, but I think people don't really give him props is Richie Blackmore. As a vocalist, he is fantastic. I mean, you know, and this was the era, of course, during that time that was dominated by bands like, you know, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, Aerosmith, Van Halen, Ted Nugent, and, of course, Blue Oyster Cult, and my personal favorite band, Cheap Trick. But I think what's really cool about this particular um, album, like songs like All Night Long and Lost in Hollywood, is it's high-volume high rock hooks and the sing-along choruses and the thing that I also like about this album too is that it really showcases you know the music the musicianship in heavy metal because I think now the trend is all about you know the hardcore punk type of sound you know black metal it's all about the extremes and this album from Rainbow it really gives you the ups the downs and the lows so if you have not had a chance to listen to that definitely take a listen. So let's just run right into smacking in the face here. Here's some food for thought. So once again, I got to thank Michael Pang for coming on the show because he's not that, you know, I get so tired of people, you know, really stereotyping um, Asian people. And it's just really irritating to me. Not all Asian people want to be lumped in a category. And when he mentioned, you know, that his parents, you know, took him to Florida because he wanted, they wanted him to still have his, you know, heritage and culture, but they wanted him to be expanded to other cultural groups. That really, to me, shows the sign and progression of, you know, families across the board. I'm also glad to see more blended families, more interracial unions. And even though we live in a time, let's be honest, people of color are scared. I mean, I I was having a conversation with my friend about this, you know, how like, you know, so now when people see certain ethnic groups or certain types of people, they feel some kind of way. They feel really nervous. And 
one thing that Michael mentioned, you know, in the interview today is that you kind of have to not listen to the naysayers and you have to just keep doing what you're doing and being yourself. And that's really what I want to share with you today um, is that it's good to be yourself. Don't be something that you're not. If you're African, enjoy your African heritage, but don't cut people off that may not be African who want to learn about your culture and vice versa. So once again, I got to thank Michael Pang for being on the sh- being on the show of course and the book is called In the Eyes of Madness he's working on that sequel can't wait for that to come out and go on the site www.intheeyesofmadness.com to learn more about Michael and you will see the cute picture of his kids and wife okay looking fine looking fabulous and that's so wonderful that she supports him cuz I think sometimes you know um, writers and, and relationships, you know, we've seen how that goes. It's not always solid. And also, too, I'll add a little more. Um, having a strong foundation and having someone that supports you, especially when you're going the creative route, is very important. Um, I think it's really important to have people around you who really support what you do. And as soon as you get someone in your life, that doesn't support what you do, you need to cut that person off because they will always be jealous of you or they may just want to bring you down because it gives them some sort of sick pleasure. Unfortunately, that's how the real world is. And there are some people out there who do that. But I just, for me, I think what's kind of helped me to grow and develop is to realize that, you know, um, you shouldn't have fear. When people are hating on you, I don't care. You know, you have to keep doing what you do. You have to keep enjoying what you enjoy. And at the end of the day, it's very important to do that. And the artist at the end of today's show is an artist from Nigeria. And I just got this song randomly. It really resonated with me. And one thing in Africa, uh, in certain parts of Africa, um, there are what are called um, gospel type of songs. But these are not your normal gospel songs that you would hear in America. These songs really resonate with the traditionalism of the drums and the essence of my people, you know. And I really wanted to share this song with you because it's such an uplifting song. And it just reminds me why I do what I do is I want to really set forth a good example for people of color and social equality. But at the end of the day, just like what needs to happen in this country, you know, we need to have a sense of social understanding and social justice, making sure that people, regardless of sexual orientation or religious affiliation, can feel comfortable, you know, and it's just really sad with what's going on, but definitely stay tuned for Riot Girl, my story coming up in the next hour here, Google Live Hangout. We're going to get into an interesting question that a viewer asked me about why is it that some young black men out there are just angry about the prejudice that's going on, and I'm just going to be raw, and I'm going to break it down, you know, from my perspective, and then on top of that, I got some other things that I really had on my mind that I really wanted to talk about, but here's the song from Nigeria, shout out to Linda Ogala Day, hopefully, <laughs> I'm saying that right, you know, those Nigerian names can be crazy, and here is Don't Worry, Remember to Stay Classy, and Don't Be Trashy. Worry, 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 worry. Why you just worry? Where we say you know, be changing situation. Worry, 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 worry. Why you just worry? Yeah. 